pray that it would be edifying uh, to all of us. As we consider the implications of God's word for how we vote. Uh, Jeremiah 29. There is a, 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 the people of God have been um, exiled to Babylon. And there is certainly discouragement and confusion. And so Jeremiah is writing a letter to them to explain how it is they are to live. So we'll pick it up at verse 4 and read through verse 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you shall find your welfare. In your shalom, you shall find your shalom. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, uh, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, uh, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you in exile." This is God's Word. I suppose you've heard it said, perhaps you hear it every four years, um, I know people say every election that this is the most important election in our lifetime, but this time it is. Have you, have you heard people say that every four years? It, it is possible that that might be the case this year. <laughs> One of the reasons I say that is the very disturbing direction that self-described progressives in our country are pursuing. 
an equality act, um, which has been supported by um, Vice Presidential Candidate Harris, has already been passed by the House. And in that equality act, uh, it elevates such things as sexual orientation, um, gender identity, um, to the level of race. And what that means is if you uh, speak against in any way the practices of individuals in our country on the basis of their gender choice or how they're acting it out in same-sex marriage or whatever, that that is uh, discrimination along the lines of racial discrimination. You cannot discriminate against practices, this act says, uh, practices that are contrary to the Christian faith. And it explicitly replaces the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which protects the First Amendment of the Constitution, which is the right to the free exercise of religion. It is possible, if this law were to pass, that it would forbid the teaching of what the Scripture says, even within the bounds of the Church. Such things as homosexuality or abortion or same-sex marriage would be classified as hate speech. And freedom of religion, my dear friends, freedom of speech is critical for a free society. That's why this is important. This is not in the too distant future, depending on the election, depending on such things as cases that are tried through the lower courts and then arrive at the Supreme Court. This is where a large portion or a large minority within our country would have us go. And we are going to seek today, in its context, to apply verse 7 of this text. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you shall find your welfare. Seek the welfare of our nation by, among other things, exercising your right and privilege to vote. And so our theme this morning is to work as exiles for our nation's welfare. Work as exiles, as outsiders who have a particular view and perspective that our nation needs in order to pursue the righteousness of God, in order to pursue the welfare of people. Work as exiles for our nation's welfare. My first point is that we are, well, are, are uh, exiles as well. Judah had been exiled from the land because of their rebellion. They had been warned multiple times, if you reject me, the Lord said, if you reject me, I will eject you. If you reject me, I will eject you from the promised land as a disciplinary measure. Of course they were discouraged when they found themselves in Babylon. Of course they were impatient. How could God take us from the promised land? And Jeremiah wrote a letter that says, Stay put. You're exactly where God wants you to be. 
Stay put. You are providentially right where the Lord calls you to be. The prophets were arguing against Jeremiah in chapters 28 and 29 both. Don't listen to Jeremiah. Don't listen to the traitor. You'll be back within two months or two years max. Don't even bother unpacking. But Jeremiah says something very different. Look, read again, verses five, uh, five and six. Build houses and live in them. Plant your vegetable gardens and enjoy their produce. Get married. The Lord, in His providence, allows you to do that. Get married. Have children. Raise children. And when your children are marriageable age, encourage them, help them in their becoming married and having children of their own. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Settle in for the long haul. Um, Build businesses. Join the PTA. Work as a neighbor in the neighborhood watch group in your neighborhood. Um, But nothing, nothing could have prepared them for verse 7. You're going to a nation to live, a nation that has stripped you out of your home, that has burned down your cities, that has burned up your homes. Go there and, and seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, verse 7. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. This word uh, welfare, it translates the, the word shalom, which is a word full of richness and depth and beauty of meaning. It, it has to do, first of all, with peace and with prosperity. It has to do with living life well, to have a sense of well-being, to living your life in a contented fashion because, as it says elsewhere, you are settling under your own vine and, and fig trees and you are sharing that with the people in your neighborhood. Things are going well for you. They are not only to seek that for themselves, but they are to seek that for their enemies. Make life better for them. And things will go better for you. I think you, you saw that when, we, when, when we, we read in 1 Peter chapter 2 that God identifies us as, as sojourners and as exiles. We're, we're of a, another country. And we're here just for a while. But we're looking. We're looking to home. And we're to live as U.S. citizens, but those who belong with a higher loyalty to another kingdom. And we are to live exemplary lives here. Let your light shine in the darkness so that others can see your good deeds and glorify your God in heaven. Seek the welfare of our nation. In everything that you do, in the way you are a good neighbor, in the way that you care for the people around you, in the way that you pray for those in your, in your neighborhood, and in the way... You vote. And that's what we want to think about today, especially in the way that you vote. As long as you are here, 
Verse 7 says, as long as you are here, you work for the welfare of the land. We work for the welfare of our own country. We seek peace and prosperity uh, within our land. We pray for that. We want to be good citizens. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. The, The rising tide, as the saying goes, lifts all boats. We live in a republic. We live under the rule of God who has given us through the uh, elected and appointed officials the right to vote. And so it gives us a measure of both influence and responsibility. Vote the bums out, you've heard it said. We We have a measure of influence, but we also have that measure of responsibility. Now, it is possible... I've heard one or two people say, I don't think I've got a, a, a horse in this race. Um, I, I don't think there's a candidate that I really like or a platform that I'm completely satisfied with. You won't fully agree with any man-made platform. If you're alert, <laughs> if you read all the fine print, of course you won't. But you do use your vote for the glory of God. How do we do this? How do we do this? I want, to, I want to mention a principle from the Proverbs that we'll seek to spin out here. And that is that righteousness exalts uh, a nation. And sin is a reproach to any people. The Lord is not speaking directly of the land of Israel here. This is a general statement. Righteousness exalts a nation. Good choices to value life and to value justice, and to value a respect for people. All of that exalts a nation, and sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness being, of course, those things that are consistent with God's law and God's character. Uh, We are called in this nation, and any nation, to promote, the government is called to promote what is good, to punish evil, and protect people from harm. As basic as you can get, to promote good, to punish evil and protect people from harm. Because righteousness, my friends, is good for humans. It promotes the welfare of all. Righteousness produces and promotes welfare. I want to consider several things somewhat briefly, just to help you see how how all of us can maybe hone our skills a little bit in developing an awareness, a sensitivity for how it is that we discern among the policies and support those that are consistent with this goal of righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. I want you to listen to how personal this is. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. picture of being formed in the womb. 
intricately woven in my mother's womb. The first principle that we must consider is that of respect for life, the sanctity of human life, in particular but not exclusively in terms of abortion, as we've read here, God forming the child in the womb. Abortion is an attack on God's sovereign work. It is also an attack on his intimate relationship with the unborn. And so we seek the welfare of all, including unwanted children, and including mothers who may need the support through an unexpected and perhaps even unwanted pregnancy. So a very simple question, will you support abortion or will you support the sanctity of human life? That is a clear principle based on God's explicit text. Human life matters. Second area I want to think about is that of, of, of racial tension. We must um, clear out the clutter and keep clear-minded and focused that we desire justice. We desire fairness. We desire opportunities for all. Do justice, the prophet Micah says. Love kindness, that is mercy, and walk humbly with your God. This is what I desire for you. This is what I call for you. Do justice, love kindness or mercy, and walk humbly with your God. This is where I'm going to veer off a little bit. Um, I remember when uh, LBJ's Great Society uh, burst upon the scene. I was, I was all of 11 years old, but I remember hearing about it. And there were some good things that came out of that. Medicare, which I um, am taking part in right now, it's for old people, you know. And, and Medicaid, for those uh, who are without much in the way of income. These things were, were fruit or developed uh, as part of that, uh, that great that great society. But, but the more important question to ask is, do the policies of the great society promote the welfare of impoverished families? Every word of that question is important. Do the policies of the great society promote the welfare of impoverished families? That is, do they promote responsibility? Do they lift the boat of, of the boats of poor families? Deeply distressing that um, um, back at the time uh, that the, um, that the uh, great society uh, of LBJ was put into, into action, into force in the mid-60s, the percentage of, of um, black kids born to single parents um, was 30%. And, and within uh, 30 years, it had risen to 70%. Think, think of that, 70% of these precious black kids that are born in our country are born uh, largely without a father in sight. This was the beginning of the war on poverty, so to speak, 
but it has not appreciably helped the black community in terms of stabilizing family and increasing overall family income. So here's the question that we want to ask. What policies are both merciful and promote responsibility? Do you hear that? We want mercy. We are called to exercise mercy. But a form of justice is encouraging and, and is encouraging people to take opportunities that we might be able to encourage them with. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that. A, a policy that I have learned of not long ago that provides tax incentives to encourage businesses to move into the city, uh, into the neighborhoods of where there is a high population of, uh, of black people, uh, providing opportunities for men to step up and work and have families and raise daughters and raise sons who can be responsible contributors to our society. Because black lives matter. And not in the way that that movement so often deceives us with. We honor and respect the family. So we develop policies that are both merciful and promote responsibility. You look for that as you are voting or deciding on, on, uh, on, on a candidate. E- education. Education that policies that safeguard the welfare of all students. Are we as a country, are we as a nation on both sides of the aisle um, prepared to acknowledge uh, the failure of policies in the inner city in terms of education? In the city of Baltimore, nine out of black boys are not reading at at the proper grade level. Nine out of ten aren't keeping up with the grade level. It's not because they're dumb. It's not because of that. There are other social factors at work. There are more than 12 high schools where there is zero zero students who are proficient in math. Now, I I grant it, if that had been taken in my high school, I would have been one of those not proficient in math, but zero percent. So we want to ask questions like like this. What steps are proposed to help lift the boat for inner city kids in terms of education? It's not just a matter of throwing money that usually gets socked away in administration and not on the facilities and on, train, and on training and hiring excellent teachers. We want righteous policy that provides accountability for these schools and the right of parents to choose. What about immigration? Certainly we can't realistically absorb um, all, sadly, of those who are escaping from chaotic environments, many of whom coming from Latin, some Latin American countries. But, but can we be generous and merciful, both generous and merciful? We would want a policy that limits immigration and at the same time preserves family integrity. It protects the family. That's righteousness. We need to be able to speak for that, to lobby for that, and to vote for that. 
Things get complicated in the election in this, in this uh, cycle, uh, partly because of the personal character of the candidates. Just uh, that, the, the level of the, of the character, the kind of, of people that are running uh, disturbs many. Does his or, we need to be willing to ask a question like this, does his or her character reflect the values of righteousness that promote the peace and welfare of our land? You must ask that of him or her who is running. These are questions that can help us. It is still perhaps a very difficult choice for people. We must pray for wisdom. We must pray for um, for the Lord to, to lead us through the principles of his word. We must put appropriate weight on such a thing as an election like this. But appropriate weight means not maybe as much as the fear of some would indicate. Do you hear what I'm saying? Maybe not as much weight as the fear of some would indicate. Our text goes on to say that you are here for the long haul, so don't give up. You're here in this exile, land of exile, to seek the prosperity, the, 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 the shalom uh, of the people uh, in your society. Now, truly, this is one of the most misunderstood verses in, in all of uh, the Old Testament. I, I, I feel confident of that. You've, you've, you've perhaps read this uh, on, your, um, uh, on, on cards that you've gotten, or maybe even given cards to people who are going through a hard time, going through a rough patch, some health problems, or some financial problems, or some fat problems in, in their family. And so you, you send them a card that says something like this. Um, I, the Lord has plans for you. He has plans for your future and a hope. Don't give up. Don't give up. You'll, you'll, you'll be out of this in two months, two years max. God's got a good future for you. Hang in there. That's what the false prophets were saying to Judah. What was God's good plan? You stick it out for these 70 years and your future and your hope are later. Your future and your hope and your shalom in its fullness and maximum power is later. So what is God's good plan for you? What does God have uh, uh, in store for you? Your future and your hope? It may or may not include an election that goes your way. We don't know about that. But we trust in King Jesus, whose kingdom is not of this world. And where will Jesus be as those ballots are tabulated and counted and as the outcome of that election is announced? Where will the Lord Jesus be? He'll be on his throne. You see, he's gone to heaven to prepare a place for you. That place of perfect shalom is not here. 
We must be responsible in the society, but not trust in a political party, not trust in an election, but trust in Christ. Full shalom, full peace is later. You have a future and a hope. But it's not in the next month unless Jesus comes again. Actually, the biggest question for you this morning is not who you're going to vote for. The biggest issue before us is not who wins the election. The biggest call here is to seek Jesus and to call upon him. Um, As the Lord offers this return from exile, listen to what he says in verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations. Um, I will seek you. you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you. Only Jesus gives true and lasting peace. Only Jesus can heal people, and only Jesus can heal our land. God's intervention is to rescue people on hell-bent for destruction through the blood of the Lamb. Our exile will be over when when Jesus comes for that second time to bring us home. Until then, until then, we wait, we pray, we work, we vote. But even as Andrew was reminding us just a a few moments ago, we're always looking Unto Jesus. I want to conclude by reading several verses from 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. This passage also then calls us to pray, and I'd like to close us in prayer just now. Jesus, you are exalted above every name, every kingdom, and every power and authority. Uh, Bows 
before you and your command and your control. We give you um, our praise and thankfulness this morning that in the uncertainty of our time and in the lack of peace in our land, we turn to you and we pray, God, that you would bring about peace in our cities. We pray that you would bring about a peaceful election. We pray that you would provide for us good government that would protect life and liberty and property for all people. We pray that you would provide for us leaders whose lives reflect your righteous character, promoting peace within our polarized nation. Lord, we pray for, uh, with thanksgiving uh, for the checks and balances of the three branches of our government that may be able to provide an even keel through this unrest in our time. Give the Supreme Court wisdom as it rules on matters of law. Give the Supreme Court wisdom and courage as they will be called upon before too much longer uh, to uphold uh, the First Amendment rights of free exercise of religion and of biblical faith. We pray that you would preserve this nation um, in righteousness, in liberty and justice for all, born and unborn. Father in heaven, in these days we pray that you would teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long will it be? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. In the name of our Savior. A couple of more things we want to remember to pray for today. We do thank you, Lord, uh, for the uh, the safety uh, that you have uh, guarded Jimmy Malia with as he's gone through two procedures in the last three days. And we pray that uh, he would be able to return home today and would grow in health and strength and in particular that you would give him uh, a new heart. We pray also for Jenny Cerrone. We understand that she has recently been afflicted with chest pains and uh, has been taken to the hospital. And we pray that uh, as you would provide safety for her through this time and, uh, and the catheterization, which is expected to take place on Monday, would you be um, present in the life of that precious family? We ask these things in the name of our Savior. Amen.